Welcome back, perfect peeps, to Perfect.dev. Today on the podcast, we're talking about using CSS and JS with stitches, and we have a special guest, Pedro, Pedro Duarte. See how I messed it up still, Pedro? <laughs> I always it's not live, though. <laughs> I always ask people, like, right before the pod to make sure I don't mess up names, and I always mess them up still, so hopefully I was close. Yeah, it was close, it was close. Awesome. Well, welcome, Pedro. I really appreciate it. Uh, a little background on Pedro. He is a DX engineer at Modules. He is a front-end developer with 10 years experience with a focus on UI, design systems, developer experience, and engineering. You know, I could I could read this blurb about Modules, but do you want to kind of tell us what Modules is all about? Yeah, I mean, um, Modules is a visual... Um design tool that uh, allows designers to design with real code. And so the idea of modules is that it would, um, you know, help people um, design things they want to do without knowing necessarily how to code while still having uh, interoperability with the developers. So the kind of concept is that both designers and developers can work on the same thing, but via different mediums so a designer can use the tool and a developer can write the code by hand and the source of truth is the code but modules is able to then uh parse that into a visual visual tool um, so and, and the reason that like stitches was kind of created was to help support this part of modules is that correct yep pretty much exactly that yeah awesome yeah so to dive in a, a little bit further, um, just kind of before we check out stitches a little bit, like what is CSS in JS? Can you describe that to our folks, <laughs> our peeps? Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I'll I'll try and keep it simple because obviously topics like this can be a little bit, you know, a uh, bit like marmite, let's say. But um, <laughs> and so. It's really a JavaScript library that is able of um, parsing CSS that is written in JavaScript and injecting that CSS to the DOM as normal CSS. Okay. Um, but because it's written in JavaScript, it's aware of the styles that are needed for each component. So when you render a component, it already knows what are the styles that this component needs, also all its dependencies, style dependencies. Okay. Um, and that's kind of like the main thing about CSS in JS. You keep your CSS um, with your components. You can have it in the same file or in the same folder, depending how you organize stuff. Um, and kind of for free, you get a critical path rendering. So that means that if you build your project with CSS and JS, um, when you render, say, your homepage, you're only going to get the CSS that's needed for the homepage. Like any any other CSS that, that's not being rendered is not going to be added. Is it scoped by default then? Yeah, the thing is some of these things, they're kind of like byproducts of the fact that you're writing CSS and JS. It's kind of easier to get these things for free, but um, CSS and JS... Most every solution right uh, out now does scoping, like naming scoping. Mm -hmm. But 
I don't think it's necessarily that he has to. He's just people just do it because it's what kind of makes sense to avoid global clashes. Um, so I guess it's fair to say that it is every every CSS and JS library does that, but mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, but you know, so yeah, you can collocate your styles with your components. You can take advantage of um, JavaScript um, syntax features. So. A simple example is, um, say you have some data object, and uh, in that object you have uh, some color. You can just, as the value of the CSS, you can just refer the object directly because you're in JavaScript at the end of the day. Uh -huh. um, so you can kind of take advantage of the JavaScript ecosystem. And one of the biggest uh, pros for me personally is that I find it very easy to get up and running with CSS and JS. Usually you'd install a dependency and you're good to go. Uh, there's no build step. There's no messing about with Webpack and stuff like that, which yeah. for me is a personal barrier. Um, that's, I think that wraps up at least at a high level quite well. Sure. Yeah. I, I think that covered it really well. Um, I feel like for people that are in kind of the React world, this is a very common style that's that's used across it. When you talk about like components and CSS and JS, do you see this in web components as well or like view components? Or is it pretty much a React thing at this point? You know, that's a good point. I I've been working in React primarily uh, for a long time now. So I don't, I can't really talk too much on behalf of other frameworks because I haven't sort of like gone deep and explore how they do it. Um, sure. So I do know that in the React ecosystem, though, it is very popular. It is. And of course, React is kind of component driven by default, by, by design. So it kind of fits in very, very well. Um, I know that there is CSS and JS for other frameworks like Vue and um, Angular. People use style components with Angular as well, I believe. I think there's even people using stitches with Angular. Because um, oh. there are some CSS and JS libraries that are for React, but there are some that are fra framework agnostic. So uh, Emotion, for example, they offer a core package and they offer a React wrapper. Uh, we do the same with stitches. And... Um, and then there are other sort of CSS and JS that are quite like CSS and JS, but not, not as extreme. Uh, I think CSS modules is considered technically CSS and JS because uh, even though you don't write your CSS in the same uh, JavaScript file, you're still importing JavaScript and then you, you kind of like does, does the naming scoping for you and stuff. I think some people call that as still in the CSS and JS sort of category. You talked about a couple of the benefits, but why would you choose to use CSS and JS? So, you know, it's the benefits I see it as the reason I would use them personally. So I would use them because I don't have to set up Webpack or any any build mm -hmm. step, you know. Uh, I don't have to ever, ever, like if I'm using Create, uh, create React app, I don't need to eject. If I'm using XJS, I don't need to extend the Webpack config to, to do anything unless... Of course, unless you're at a point that these big players support your library out of the box, then you're going to get adoption much easier, right? But until then, the build step, I find a pretty big uh, sort of barrier. 
And having access to um, the data, which usually if you're working with React, that's where your data would live. Uh, I find it quite helpful, especially for things like, say, um, say you have um, a page with some components. And depending on whether the user is logged in or not logged in, you want to change the styles of that. That's a mm-hmm. common thing. Maybe you want to have a few things that are completely disabled, but they're still there. Um, so the data can be very um, important Dynamic. for how exactly for how the yeah. style looks. I find that having them together works really well. Uh, Stitches introduce uh, some cool concepts that we can talk to. Uh, we can talk about later on, um, which is um, the, this sort of idea of passing styles at the layout level, like at the consumption level. Uh, so it's nearly like a style tag, but it's a powerful style tag. Yeah, let's, um, let's bring that up. I, I think yeah. I would be good to kind of show that and talk through it. Yeah, and that's, and that's kind of cool because you still get, like, a, you know, there is some runtime, like a CSS and JS is effectively dependent on some runtime cost. And yeah. although that can be seen as a bit of a bad thing uh, in some eyes, it's also a very powerful thing. And for majority of millions of products out there, the, the cost that you'd have, it's it's just like makes no difference. So it does its compilation at runtime instead of in that build step that you were talking about with Webpack. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I'm kind of curious when like you talk about like the compilation step, but you also have the the paint side of that too. So once you kind of go through the the JS side, it actually puts that CSS onto the DOM so that the browser can understand it. So there is, there's probably a two piece to that, right? So you're getting the compilation cost plus the the redraw and the the paint of the browser again. Is that true to say that? I guess if you go deep into technical details in terms of like the order in which things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that may be why it's more popular it, with React too, because it takes care of that a little bit. Right, exactly. But... You know, like there is a little bit of like that uh, responsibility of the library injecting the CSS in the DOM when your component is about to get rendered. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, because, you know, as I said at the beginning, you get this uh, critical path rendering for free. So that means that right now the CSS that's being added to this page that you're looking at is being added straight to the style tag. Like there's no network request to fetch any CSS file. And that's really good, right? Because that's being done at the server side because we're using Next.js. So right now there's been zero runtime cost because everything's being calculated at, rent, uh, um, at the server. Um, but the moment you change page, it's a client-side routing change. At that point, new components will be rendered that don't exist on this page. So Stitches will then inject the CSS for those. Gotcha. And, but... If we explain this like in words, it sounds like um, it's a lot. It's a lot going on, but actually, stitches already—not just stitches, by the way. Let me just say, most libraries already know the styles that it needs for those components. So the style is technically already created; it's just not injected. Sure. So when you go to a new page, it's not like that's when it's gonna do all the parsing and resolve a few things that it has to resolve. 
at least with most of the popular ones that's been cached already and it's just ready to be injected. And that happens very, very, very quickly. You know, it can do like a load of injections and nobody will see. It's not like yeah. it's going to cost you a few frames or anything like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so we, for those who are listening on the audio side, um, we actually have stitches.dev kind of up right now. And I'd love to talk about a few different things that um, Stitches has within its uh, like APIs and stuff. So can we talk about like what variants are in the Stitches landscape? Yeah, I can explain a little bit. It's, um, you know, at the beginning, you were talking about modules and you were, yeah. you were asking if um, Stitches was like a byproduct of modules. So in a way, Yes, it was a little bit of a byproduct. We had a problem at modules that was um, we want people to write CSS and we want modules to be able to sort of understand that CSS and render that intent in a UI, in a, GU, in a GUI, let's say, right? Um, and at the same time, we want designers to make changes to that or create new styles and that gets written in CSS. So if you think about CSS as a language, it's so flexible that it's pretty much impossible for a layout, uh, a design tool to interpret everything you're doing, you know? Like you could do the same thing in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, uh, developers tend to be um, quite passionate about the way they structure the CSS like some people like to organize their properties alphabetically or some people like to organize them by say by role like everything that yeah. is like box model is here everything that is like positioning is, is there so how would we then write the CSS back into the file whilst respecting some arbitrary rule that a developer likes it's very difficult to do that right mm-hmm. so in a way um Apart from that, uh, modules as a tool has this concept of variance, which is a visual way to allow designers to create variations of a component. Figma has variance recently. They added that recently as well. So it's it's like a a, a way of working and a way of thinking that designers are now starting to adopt. I feel like developers have sort of been doing this for a long, long time. Even with BEM, you know, the modifier part of BEM is technically a variant. Um, so because we had that we wanted to introduce from the library itself a first class way to do that you know and that is something that didn't exist as a first class API you were able to create variants using some add-ons on top of libraries for example uh, I don't know if you've heard of Styled System by Brent Jackson I'm not familiar with that one Brent Jackson is a lot of Brent Jackson's work was was a lot of the stuff that he came up with, and we, you know, it's, we've been heavily inspired by that. Uh, at least I have because I I, I worked with many of his projects. Um, so it's in a way um, there was definitely some inspiration there, and there was some ver- some type of variant API in Stout System. And um, and I even worked on the variant API that's in Styled System today before we did Stitches, which was kind of like the initial idea of this. Mm-hmm. And um, But there was never a library that you could sort of install. They gave you all of those things with it 
you know, and stitches does that. So the idea of variance is that um, you can declare all the different variations of your component in quite a declarative way. And that's important for two things. Uh, one, because it's easier to maintain, it's easier to sort of understand what you're doing. Um, yeah, you don't have CSS like flying all over the place in different files. <laughs> So, so can, if we had like a button component and that had yeah. the default styles of the button and then we needed a disabled button, then that would have different styles or like a primary and a secondary. So you would just add That's on the good. styles. Is that variance? Yeah, okay. exactly. Like the, the, you could, you could um, consider disabled as a variant or you could consider a state. But primary and secondary uh, is a typical perfect example of what people do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what you do. And if you look on your screen on the right side, you've got this special object called variance. And one thing I'll mention here for the people that are listening, um, the syntax of writing CSS with stitches is through an object. There are some libraries that allow you to write CSS as a string, uh, like style components sort of popularize mm-hmm. that. But with stitches, it's strictly an object because we need it to be a, a little bit strict. And because... Stitches is built with TypeScript. So um, there is a feature of Stitches that we'll touch bases on in a minute. They also relies on TypeScript. Um, so anyway, you create this variance object, you give it the variant name, and then you give it the variant values. So here we have a variant called color, and a color can be gray or it can be blue. And then within that object, you put your CSS. And in there, it's just, you're just back to normal CSS. You can do hover states, descendant selectors, you know, pseudo elements, like whatever you want to do is fine. That's cool. So, I mean, this this is very similar to how you would do a style in just straight React to like a, a JSX template. You would have style and then it would have a JavaScript object on it yes. that represents CSS. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. And then the compound variants on top of that, you're then taking that kind of base variant and applying it or what what does that do the compound variant is um it's like a an extra feature on top of variants and what it does is that sometimes you need to add styles only when one or more variants are applied at the same time so you can create this compound so in this case here in the example we're basically saying when the color is blue and the mm-hmm. size is large, I want to add these extra styles. And I can yeah. be two or three or four variants together. It's, it's usually not used that much, but it's useful sometimes. Yeah, that makes sense, kind of extending each variant that you have. Cool. Yeah. And the default variants, um, is that yeah. just a generic that goes across everything? Yeah, then this is just setting the defaults. There's two ways you can do this. You can have your defaults um, as the root styles, like outside of the variant block. Um, Or you can consider everything is a variant and then set defaults. I personally like to do that because you kind of like um, sort of like organize styles that are related to certain variants already right from the beginning. And by doing that, you prevent... Uh, overriding so when you have if so for example say that we didn't have a gray variant we just made the background color gray by default then what happens is 
the blue variant would override the gray, right? It will be an override. Mm -hmm. Whereas yep. if you have a gray variant and a blue variant, because of the nature of variants being like an enum, it can only it can only ever be gray or blue. Yeah. Right. So there's no overrides going on, and there can be no clashes there. All right. Cool. So you said that about root. Um, how does it work with browser styles? Do you have some sort of normalize or reset CSS that goes in with stitches, or does it just leave that up to the user? Absolutely, it leaves that up to the user. Um, as part of, uh, you know, we uh, let me just add one thing to this, just to add some context. Modules is a design tool, and it's the company that uh, I work for. Mm -hmm. And we have a product called Radix, which is what we're looking at right now. This is the styling solution. But we also have a product called, sorry, this is Stitches, the styling solution, Stitches. But we also have Radix. Yeah, no, I know. I threw me off as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then we have Radix, which is another product that we have. And Radix is basically the UI product of modules. That's where we have uh, design systems and colors, and we have loads of accessible components. And that's where you uh, you'd get resource like resets or normalize and things like this. Okay. Uh, but Stitches doesn't ship with anything like that. It's it literally just gives you the tools to do what you need to do. So if you want to add sanitize or normalize or a <laughs> classic reset, you can do it. <laughs> so many out there now. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And. Uh, oh. I, let me add one thing about variants that's very interesting is um, sure. when you create variants, you're already telling stitches that for this given component here, these are its possible variations, right? Stitches already knows that. So it becomes really powerful because when you use that component, mm -hmm. um, you are already limited to only using these variants. And we use TypeScript to offer you auto-completion yeah. and type checking. So if I'm a consumer of a large design system and I know I have a button and I'm not quite sure which colors I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to use, I usually have to go to the documentation and I have to browse. And the cool thing about uh, using stitches is that when you take the button as a consumer, you can already see all the types available to you. So when you type in color, it's going to tell you it can be blue or gray, and then you just pick one. So this so, goes inside of the component too. This isn't like a separate config file that you have to set up. You don't have to set up. This happens, this gets inferred from this configuration that you write. The configuration being this variant object. And that's uh, in uh, the component, though. Exactly. Okay, awesome. All together. Everything is in one object, basically. The styles, the variants, the compound variants, the default variants. Okay. And, um, but that code that does that, that's just TypeScript on top. That doesn't get shipped to yeah. the browser or anything. That's really cool. Um, do you want to dive into the kind of the, the theming part of this? Yeah, so um, uh, Stitches has a pretty uh, nice theming solution as well. Uh, you, what you're looking at on your screen is the dark mode of a website, and obviously a website is built with Stitches. Um, yeah. So you can see how, uh, also visually it looks nice. Um, but Stitches has, apart from having a first-class variant API, it has first-class support for tokens. So if you're familiar with the term of, you know, design system tokens, uh, it's the ability to create basically a set of scales. Um, they are usually categorized in type, typographic 
scales and color scale and font size and space and things like this. And within these scales, you'd have a bunch of tokens. These are, these are basically like variables. So in your color scale, you have uh, your red scale and your blue scale and your gray scale. Um, each value of that token will refer to a value in your scale, right? Um, stitches will automatically take your theme with your default theme and we will create CSS variables out of your tokens. So they already exist. This is already being injected in your page or the first time it gets rendered. Um, from, that, from that moment on, when you're creating styles with stitches, you have access to your tokens all the time, right? They're always available to you. So, so anytime you go background color, you don't have to import your theme. You don't have to put a function to get access to the theme, which with style components or emotion that's usually done through a theme provider. That's just there. And you access the tokens by prefixing it with a dollar sign. And that's the stitches reference of tokens. And then you just go dollar sign red 400 and that applies your token. But because tokens are CSS variables, it doesn't apply the value of that token. It applies the CSS variable, right? So you'd go var dash dash mm -hmm. and then because of that, it means that theming works really, really nicely because all the theming really does is, uh, is kind of like override those tokens as CSS variables, meaning the styles that you wrote rarely have to change because the CSS variable name is the same. The only thing that changes is its value. And mm -hmm. that's nice because it doesn't cause any re-rendering of your app. React doesn't have to do anything. This is, at this yep. point, is just CSS in the browser. Yeah, the CSS browser. variables are super powerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's really cool. And um, the token numbers look kind of like Tailwind, how Tailwind does the number system, too. And I love that it's using HSL out of the box on the page there. I'm obsessed yeah. with HSL. So Yeah, it's so good, right? If, if you don't apply this or don't have a theme, is there a default that's set, or you always have to specify over there? No, there's never a default. So one thing to clarify, just uh, because the, for the people listening, maybe it's hard to imagine. Um, when you, you know how in style components, you can just import the styled function and you can use it straight away. Mm -hmm. You can do the same thing with stitches. Of course, if you do that, um, you can't really customize it because you're just taking the default. But stitches is only a styling solution. It's not a design system. So it doesn't come with any colors or any space or absolutely nothing. It's just there to allow you to write CSS and, and um, go a little bit further by creating variants, getting a better developer experience, which is one of the most important things about Stitches, and um, allowing you to um, you know, create like local variables if you need to. All of these things you can do without sort of ejecting Stitches. Right, just just importing style out of the box. But if you want to start working with tokens and if you want to add your breakpoints and stuff like this, then you um, you have to import a function called create CSS. And that's where you put your theme in all of that. This function create CSS is gonna give you another styled function, which is the one that you're gonna use throughout your application. Exactly. That's exactly what we're seeing there. And that's the API that you do if you want to configure stitches. So, okay. of course, you can use stitches without any configuration. 
and it's um, currently weighs five around five kilobytes. Yeah, so okay. it's actually a very very small library. It's smaller than uh, yeah. So the React one is four point seven. Now it's about five. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And um, it's quite small because you get a lot of things as a first-class implementation. So all of these things we talked about, they don't increase the bundle size. Whether you use them or not, it's going to be the same size, around 5 kilobytes. So that's kind of interesting. So when we use Tailwind, there's a lot of things on our site that we just we don't end up using in their utilities, and those get stripped out. Is there any way to make that smaller? Um, or is that like... That sounds like an advanced kind of scenario in my mind. If you're using stitches, you, you typically would just bring that full 5K in because it's just 5K. But can you get that down to like, I don't know, under like a K type of thing? No, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, 5K is quite small for, for a, I mean, at the moment, because stitches is, is one of the lightest CSS and JS libraries, it's like... I think, I think style components is twelve, so it's double the size. Mm -hmm. And I think if I'm correct, emotion, the React version of emotion is seven, yeah, about seven point three, something small. like this. So it's still quite small. So we didn't see a need to kind of like um, do any tree shake or allow people to make it even smaller if they don't want to use the the features. But we're still in beta at this point. Today is uh, May 7th. We're still in beta. And, um, and we're definitely open to feedback. So if folks come to us and say, look, I want to use Stitches just as a styling solution, but I don't actually want to use any tokens or stuff like this. Is there a way that we can import just those functions? We can definitely look into this and, and go from there. Yeah. Because it doesn't bring anything with it. So like with Tailwind, you get all of those Tailwind styles out of the box and you have to purge the ones away that you don't use. So with yeah. Stitches, you don't get anything out of the box. It just gives you a way to write CSS differently and use extend it with JS JavaScript. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, one good way to think about when people ask, um, you know, how does Stitches differ from Tailwind? Like a lot of people ask this. Yeah. Um, they're very different things because Stitches is an actual styling solution, mm -hmm. right? And it doesn't have any opinions on how your product is going to look. It doesn't have any colors, any space, or anything like this. Whereas Tailwind is nearly like a layer higher up. Mm -hmm. Like it's already opinionated in the sense it comes with some uh, nice defaults. Um, but you can't overwrite them, but you don't have to. Exactly, because they yeah. look great out of the box. So for most people, that's better than what they would do in, in the first place, exactly. right? Yeah. So, but Tailwind is built on top of a styling solution, right? Which it, which it uses internally post-CSS, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, Post-CSS would be closer to what Stitches is. You could almost build Tailwind on top of Stitches. Um, wow. Not quite, because we don't support... Uh, a few things, but um, it's closer to Tailwind being that than comparing it with Tailwind, than Stitches being post-CSS rather than Stitches being Tailwind, if you know what oh, I mean. Oh, that brought up something for me. Uh, media queries, because in Tailwind, you can do like a large or medium size and then just mm. your style on top of that. How Would you use a variant for that? 
No, and... we have a we have a, a, an API called Media Query. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and you can define upfront your media queries the same as Tailwind. If you look at the config, there is some media queries there, right? That you can predefine. You can't. I think it comes with them by default. It comes yeah. with four, and you can extend them or change ah, them. Okay, so the only difference is that we don't ship any media queries by default, and it's okay. up to you to sort of um, create the media queries that you want. And it's good that you asked that because um, a very powerful feature of Stitches is more like a sort of like methodology rather is that um, most uh, most developers, the way they would use media queries is that say you create a container, right? You create a container component and that container on mobile is full width. It's like fluid. Mm -hmm. And then when you go to tablet, you kind of want to restrain that a little bit. So you set a max width of say 480 or 690 or whatever. And then when you go to desktop, you want us, you want that to stop at 1024. Let's mm -hmm. just say these numbers, right? So it's oh. fluid and then it goes to like 480 and then it stops at 1024. That's, that's a common use case of media queries, right? Within each media query, you change the max width. Yep. Um, with stitches, we are kind of like trying to promote this idea of thinking variant first. So what you do, you create a container and that container has three variants, fluid, Small and medium. Small being the 480. Is this small. container queries? No. It's no, not. It's, it's just... It's just... <laughs> I'm wondering if it's similar at all to how container queries are going to work. No, it's not similar. It's just confusing because I'm using the example that's a container, but <laughs> it's, very, it's quite different. Okay. Um, but anyway, you create these three variants. You're basically declaring the three widths that your container can be, okay. but you're not saying it when it can be each width. You're not saying that the, the medium width is for desktop, right? You're just mm -hmm. saying, I have a container and this container can be small, medium, or large, let's say. So where do you decide that, right? You decide that when you use the container. So when you go and apply the container and you apply the variant, you can responsibly apply the variance rather than write the styles responsibly. So it's a different way of thinking. So basically mm -hmm. you go, here's my container. By default, I want it to be like uh, fluid. And then on my breakpoint one, on my first breakpoint that's in your config, I want it to be small. And on my second breakpoint, I want it to be medium. You okay. know, And that's a, uh, that's a much more declarative way of writing UI. Sure. Because when you read that at the consumption level in context of your other elements, you know what's happening. So that's kind of like um, we're trying to, I, I still have to do a lot of work in terms of showing this idea because it's not that common, mainly because libraries don't support this type of things. So, but that's kind of the, the power of it. Nice. So Pedro, we have a kind of a note in here and you brought it up a little bit before, but I just want to bring up kind of like NPM installs here real quick. So we talked about kind of emotion um, and chakra always kind of comes up, but you've been talking a lot about style components here too. 
you guys are obviously new in, into this space mm. and on like version 1.9 or maybe it'll be on two by the time this comes out or point two, I should say. Zero, zero point one, I think we are. Yeah. 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 Um, version zero. <laughs> so I want to just bring this up to like kind of explain to people like you guys are very new at this, but it sounds like a very powerful product. How does it compare between maybe, you know, emotion, chakra verse, and when I say first, I just mean comparatively, not what's better, what's worse, but mm. how does it kind of compare to stitches? Are you are you asking about chakra specifically? Um, chakra and emotion uh, always seem to come up. So oh, I yeah? know, can you compare those to stitches when we talk about it? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to compare again because let's let me talk about chakra first. Sure. Um, the way I see it is that chakra is a design system. It's, it comes with colors, it comes with components, it comes with opinions, right? Okay. The same as Tailwind. It's just that Tailwind gives that to you via atomic classes and Chakra gives that to you via components. Okay. Um, chakra could be built with stitches, no problem, right? I think right now Chakra is built with emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you take Chakra and you want to write CSS with Chakra, you're really writing CSS with emotion, right? If you use Chakra and you use some of these predefined um, um, sort of like variants that they have, then you're using the design system. So I don't think I can really compare like stitches with Chakra because they're very different things. Like our design system, by the time this comes out, this podcast comes out, we're probably going to have the Radix design system, which is the, the new open source project we're working on. And that is an open source design system built with stitches that is more similar to Tailwind and Chakra in the yeah. sense that it's going to give people a bunch of components that have been thought through by, by us, you know, all different types of buttons, different types of uh, type of typography and stuff like this. Anybody can take and they can build beautiful products with it out of the box. Um, that would be that would be more al- along the same line. So stitches would be more comparable to emotion and style components, then. Yes, it's one hundred percent more on the same line of, of of emotion and style components. Yeah. Okay, and with style components, you like pick which HTML element you want to use going into that. How does the style get applied in stitches? So instead <laughs> of picking the HTML element, how do you apply it in the JSX? Stitches has two ways of working with it has the platform agnostic api and it has the styled api so if you think about the name styled components it's exactly what it is right it's like a component being the element that you Uh just said like a button with the styles it's just it's that's it they're together now right yeah um which is great for a lot of reasons but also introduced other problems like polymorphism for example um, is it fair to say that your button looks like that, but it always has to render a button element? Maybe, right? It depends on what you're building. But it's also fair to say that you may have that exact same button, but it's an anchor tag instead. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a link. Is that right or is that wrong? That's irrelevant. The point is that you should be able to share the styles across different elements. The way that this is being sort of solved is using this as prop. So you basically go button as a, and that's what polymorphism is in a nutshell. So 
that's style components. And uh, we have a, a version of the Stitches API that works exactly like this. And we did it because uh, there is a lot of demand for it. People like the API. Um, and it's kind of like we want to get some adoption and stuff. So it makes sense that we give people what they want. But we also have a low-level API, which is framework agnostic. And that for, for that API, you don't need to pass the element at all. You basically just passing the styles and it's going to give you a class name in return. And that, that's much more how um, uh, CSS modules works in a way. Okay. Uh, but with the core API, you still have access to all of the features of Stitches, like variants, default variants, themes, tokens, breakpoints, utils. And you can still apply them dec declaratively exactly the same way. It's kind of neat that you have both options for wh whichever one you want to do. And can you d use that anywhere? Since it's framework agnostic, you could pull that one into wherever. Yeah. But what about the styled one? Could you use that anywhere too? No, the styled one is uh, is exclusive for React, React at the moment okay. because when you call the styled function with an element, we create a React component for you. Right? And we could have done this in a sort of React slash Preact com compatible way. Uh, but the way it's done at the moment, it only works with React. The idea is that we will offer a Preact wrapper, a Vue wrapper, potentially a Svelte and an Angular wrapper, because these wrappers are very, very small. They're all built on top of the core API. So like, remember I told you Stitches is like 5K? Mm -hmm. Like the React wrapper is less than 1K. Oh, wow. It's like 800 bytes or something. It's just, it just basically forwards everything down to the core, but it gives you a React component. So for us to do these wrappers, it's like the core API was written uh, with that in mind. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Um, so we're probably coming up a little bit on time here, but is there anything else like that's just completely missing that we haven't touched base on? Probably. I mean, the thing is, <laughs> even though Stitches is just a CSS and JS library, um, yeah. there's so many nice little features there that um, I, I personally, because I'm quite passionate about this, I could talk about it for a long time. Right. And I talk a lot anyway, so I need to stop myself. But what I'll say is um, it supports utils. So it allows you to create your own CSS properties. For example, um, in... Uh, CSS, if you want to set the background color, you go background color, right? Yeah. But you could create a property called BG oh. if you want, and you can map that to background color. So you can start creating your own API if you want for, for shorthands yeah. or even for more powerful um, um, properties, even properties that don't exist, you know? You can create a property that will set a, like somebody on Twitter said yesterday, oh, I wish there was a property to set border, the border color, but also the radius because border accepts the style, the way, the, the style, the color and the width, right? Border yeah. width, border style, border color, but it doesn't accept radius. So someone saying, I wish you could do that. You can make that with stitches. You can basically extend that property and make it accept radius. That's so really check out stitches.dev. There's a bunch of examples yeah. on there. And, um, you know, use your imagination. You can go, we can go, but don't go too crazy. Huh? Cause <laughs> <laughs> stay with a little bit of a box there. Yeah, exactly. Cool. 
Um, not to put all the pressure back on you, but we are going to do our perfect picks now. And I would love to do yours first, if you're ready. Yeah, mine. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Mine is uh, this movie on this is a short movie on Netflix called Two Distant Strangers. And uh, I watched it last week. And uh, how long is it? 30 minutes? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It was intense, you know, like it was intense, <laughs> but it was the type of movie that you're thinking about for like a couple of days after, you know? Have you guys watched it? I haven't. I, I haven't and I, it came up for me, but I j- had just watched uh, Boss Level, which is a very similar, like caught in a time loop thing. And I'm like, I can't do two time loops. So <laughs> I'll, I'll have to come back to this one for sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, 30 minutes, I can do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's an easy one. That's yeah, really it was cool. really cool, yeah. I'll have to check that out. Uh, Brittany, you have differing perspectives. Yeah, on CSS and JS, kind of what Pedro was bringing up earlier about it's a little controversial topic. People get a little ignited about how they do their CSS. So this just kind of goes into some of the pros and cons. Chris Courier, CSS Tricks, wrote it. And I mean, just kind of why you might use CSS and JS, why you might not want to, or, and that was a good article about some of the differences. Yeah. Your second pick. My second pick is Snowpack. I am super excited about Snowpack. So I've been doing a lot of vanilla JS lately, and I was looking for something to run a dev server that wasn't like the live server that comes with VS Code or that you can download in VS Code. The extension was a little bit janky. And so I looked at Snowpack, and I literally like installed it, followed the directions. It was like, I don't know, five lines in a config file, and it just worked. And I get I get a nice. dev server and I get a build script and it will just minify stuff and it builds it exactly the way I need it and it's it's great. So this is what Talinsky's using, right? Um, he he's uh, using both. He's using Snowpack and V V Byte. I don't know because the latest syntax had. He's saying Byte, and I'm like, uh, is it V? And he said Evan, you came out and said that it's Byte. But he has Snowpack and Vite running, and he can interchange them. And Spelt switched from Snowpack to Vite. So, oh, okay. Or Vite cool. Kit. I don't know. They have like a new. It's it's a I, little I complex did, on that side. I did read something about the kit side to that. Vite so. kit, yeah. yeah. Cool. I, isn't Snowpack doing a framework agnostic um, sort of? Uh, a Next.js type of thing. Are they? I uh, thought I saw that. Server, server side as well? Yeah, I think they're doing like, you know how Next.js works? There's more like a uh, framework that you can easily create pages and it comes with routing and it comes with yeah. the API and all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I think it's know. out yet, but I think they're working on that, but framework agnostic. So basically you write it, but it works with React and I think it would work with other libraries as well. Hmm. Interesting. I know yeah. that, might, know that might be our next pick. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I might have to dig into yeah. that because it would be ESM um, first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my uh, my first pick, which is it's it's anime, which I usually don't watch a ton of anime, but I, it was kind of more of an adult version, and uh, I uh, definitely listened this time to the TVMA, and it's intense. <laughs> So don't let Do your kids watch this thing. Let your child watch it. Yeah, definitely <laughs> don't watch your kids watch this. Um, oh, nice. 
it's it's super interesting though and it held my interest like all the way through and um we had to actually reschedule because i got my second covid shot which big proponent of please go get your shots um and that whole day i just watched this and kind of tuned out life so it was a good distraction it was very well written nice yeah i'm gonna check it out i've got amazon prime so uh i'll have a look and then my second one, oops, which is in my list of things. There we go. Uh, JavaScript and Friends. Probably around the time this pod comes out, it'll be just like a month away. Um, it's close to where we are in Columbus, Ohio. So hopefully, cross my fingers, I think it's uh, going to be in, be in person, person. For, for the conference. I know the workshop day isn't, but we'll see. Uh, maybe oh. maybe I'll make a drive. Maybe I won't. We don't know what happens. How far is that from Sandusky? Can I get a um, secret point trip into that? I, I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting one. We'll have to talk about that. Cool. Nice. Very well, Pedro, nice. thank you so much for coming on and showing us all about uh, stitches and kind of where it's at. And I cannot believe that it'll stay where it's at it seems like an amazing product so it'll yeah. just continue to grow and mature um and more power to you like this is uh, really interesting yeah thanks man uh, i'll just do a shout out to the team working on it because um we've got jonathan uh, neo that's like the lead developer on stitches and uh he's doing amazing work he's uh he's worked on post css he worked on normalize on sanitize on um over 500 post CSS plugins, probably most things that we do, Jonathan's work is involved somewhere. That's so it's hard. Jonathan Neal, right? Jonathan Neal. It's, it's hard to think of a better person to like actually build this. I work on the API side of things and he works on the implementation and we're working together for a few months now and it's so good. And yeah. like the knowledge that he has and stuff. So a shout out to him on all the efforts that he's been doing in Stitches. It's really, really insane. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give a quick shout out too for, to uh, Nate Lentz, who actually connected us. I, I didn't oh, yeah. know about it until Nate said, you got to you gotta get them on the pod. So thank you, Nate. He was going to join us, but we had some scheduling conflicts. So we'll have to get him on next time because we'll have to have you guys back on again. This is sweet. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, Nate. Cool. Thanks so much. Take All care. Right. Thanks, Thanks for everyone. joining us. Later.